Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. New York District Attorney Alvin Bragg has finally dropped the murder charges against Jose Alba weeks after the bodega worker killed a man while defending himself in New York City. It's a rare case of justice for the victims of crime in Democrat-run cities which continue to face lawlessness on their streets. I'll have more on that in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. Justice done, but a bit delayed. New York's Alvin Bragg, the district attorney here, dropped murder charges against bodega worker Jose Alba. Now, this is an instance of clear self-defense. And just as a reminder, in case uh, you have forgotten or you didn't see the video that was widely circulated, here's what happened. An individual with a criminal history, including violence against a police officer, he was out on probation or on parole, rather, pardon me, uh, during this incident for that attack on a law enforcement officer. Uh, He came into a bodega, a small grocery store, and was demanding uh, that he was that his girlfriend, who had previously been in there, be given a bag of potato chips that she could not pay for because her debit card did not have money on it. 
So he was demanding the potato chips and decided to go around the actual counter to confront Jose Alba physically. He assaulted him. He shoved him into a uh, stack of, of uh, a stack of products behind the counter. And then when Jose Alba, who was 62 years old and just trying to do his job, tried to get away, this suspect, this individual, laid hands on him again. So a second assault. Jose Alba at that point produced a box cutter, stabbed his assailant twice, and was, uh, who then died. This was all on video. Everybody saw it. It's very clear video as well. They had a surveillance camera right above where this happened. And the district attorney for New York brought a murder charge against Jose Alba initially. In fact, he wanted $500,000 bail. Prosecutors wanted a half a million dollar bail for Jose Alba facing a second degree murder charge. They also didn't treat Jose Alba, the, the uh, law enforcement uh, entities that had him in custody, the NYPD, uh, they didn't treat Jose Alba, even though he was stabbed multiple times by his attacker's girlfriend after the incident, and then his wounds became infected. So horrible treatment for a law-abiding 62-year-old uh, employee of this bodega, lived in New York City for decades, never had a single problem with the law. This just goes to show you Democrats are on the side of criminals, ignore victims, and hate police. That's just the truth. The Democrats are pro-criminal, they don't care who's hurt in the process, and they really hate the cops that try to stop this stuff and try to hold people to account. Now, this one instance in New York City where the madness of the left has, uh, has at least been brought to a halt on this issue doesn't mean by any stretch that everything is going to be getting better. In fact, we have a lot of work to do in really every large American city across the country on the issue of crime. Law & Order, a very well-known show. I've watched tons of episodes of it. It's kind of an addictive show once you get into it. Well, Law & Order had some very tragic news. Uh, they had a crew member who was killed in New York City at a location they were going to be filming in what was described as an early morning ambush, where someone just went up to him, opened the door, and shot him in the car. There may be more details for this but you can uh, coming out, but as you can imagine, an execution of a cast member of a show that's supposed to be about law and order in New York City, uh, a crew member, um, that gets attention from people. Why would something like this happen? Well, major crimes, as we know, are on the rise in New York City. Auto theft up 46%, grand larceny up 49%, rape up 11%, burglary up 32%, felony assault up 18%. And that's over last year, which was already a very elevated year for crime in the city of New York. We know how we got here. The BLM movement, progressive prosecutors, and the ending of mass incarceration as Democrat ideas, mantras even, Democrat talking points, this became central to the ethos of the Democrat Party. They decided that our criminal justice system was racist. The way to make it less racist was to enforce the law a whole lot less and just see what happens. Well, that has been a terrible idea and disproportionately terrible for the law-abiding, the vast majority of folks in the black and Latino communities of major cities who are overwhelmingly law-abiding. They have suffered disproportionately from the Democrats' refusal to enforce the law, whether it's prosecutors, whether it's police being undermined or even defunded, progressive prosecutors refusing to bring the kinds of cases and dish out the kind of punishment that is deserved. 
This is why you have problems in these cities all over the country. Arrests in Chicago somehow have plummeted to historic lows as crime rises and police admittedly pull back. So explain how this makes any sense. Chicago has far too many shootings, homicides going on regularly, and yet they say they're fighting crime, the city of Chicago, uh, the, the mayor there, Lori Lightfoot, one of the dumbest people in American politics, uh, most incompetent mayor probably in the country, which is saying a lot. She'll say that, oh no, we're, we're taking the crime issue seriously, but they have fewer arrests going on? Well, how do they think that they're taking it more seriously? What do they think they're doing that will make the situation any better? They, they don't know. They just know that they don't want to admit that Republicans, conservatives, law and order folks have been right all along. And that this, this whole idea of we just need to enforce the law less, uh, less. We, we need to let people off with lighter sentences everywhere. We shouldn't have three strike laws, even for violent criminals, all this kind of stuff. It's been nonsense. Nonsense. And it has done nothing but make everything worse for everyone. A lot of people have been hurt as a result. But, you know, they do get mobilized sometimes on the criminal justice issue, but it's always on either uh, anti-police or very specifically uh, race-related lines. And that brings me to the Techley Sunberg case. Uh, this is a tweet from Ben Crump, who shows up at these incidents constantly and inflames the public, the attorney for the Sunberg family. He tweeted out, this is Techley Sunberg. Minneapolis Police Department killed this smart, loving, an artistic 20-year-old after an hours-long standoff while he was experiencing a mental health crisis. We need answers from MPD as to why Techley's mental health crisis became a death sentence. He was shooting at people with a gun and refused to come down from the ledge and put the gun away. He almost killed the woman and her children. We know this because the woman came out to speak about it and said, this is outrageous, yelling at the protesters who are acting like Techley Sunberg is some kind of martyr. Watch. Let it go! Grief in silence! This is not okay! My kids have to deal with this and probably have a mental illness now because they almost lost their life. There's bullet holes in my kitchen because he sat in the hallway watching my move. My kids in the car! He tried to kill me in front of my kids, she's saying. Do these protesters, do they care at all, these libs, these Biden voters? No. No, they're there because they care so much about Techley, sure. By the way, here are the bullet holes in Arabella Yarborough. That's the woman you just saw there who was almost killed by uh, Techley Sunberg in, in the apartment. So just firing off bullets at people. Oh, just and another reminder here, GoFundMe allows a page for the gunman, Andrew Sunberg, uh, sorry, Techley Sunberg is what they call him. Um, but they got rid of one for bodega clerk, Jose Alba. Jose Alba defends himself, no GoFundMe allowed. Techley Sunberg tries to shoot a woman and her children or is at least close to killing a woman and ch child by shooting at them and GoFundMe says, yeah, let's raise money for that guy. All right, while crime might be on the rise in many cities around the country, one man is being hailed as a hero today for refusing to be a victim and saving countless lives in the process. We come back, we'll discuss the amazing story of the Good Samaritan who stopped a mass shooting in an Indiana mall this weekend with the editor-in-chief of Bearing Arms, Cam Edwards. First, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed. We know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. 
With Secure, all of your communication is based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. You need Secure to have your back so you can actually have privacy online. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. Costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more. Hold the line. Three innocent people were killed on Sunday when an armed gunman opened fire on shoppers at the Greenwood Park Mall in Indiana. As we've learned, the shooting would have been worse, but for the intervention of 22-year-old Elisha Dickin. According to the reports, Dickin engaged the perpetrator about two minutes after the shooting began, firing a total of 10 rounds at the gunman who was killed in the exchange. Chief of the Greenwood Police Department praised Dickin, calling him a hero. His actions were nothing short of heroic. Um, he engaged the, the gunman from quite a distance with a handgun, uh, was very proficient in that, very tactically sound, and as he moved to uh, close in on the suspect, he was also motioning for people to exit behind him. Um, he has, to our knowledge, uh, he has no police training and no uh, military background. Joining me now to give insight into this is the editor-in-chief of BearingArms.com, Cam Edwards. Cam, always appreciate it. Hey, Buck. Thanks for the invite. So this looks like the good guy with the gun scenario that the gun grabbers on the left always pretend doesn't exist. The reaction from the gun control groups, I mean, it has been, I think, disgusting, honestly. I mean, you had, you know, Chris Brown... Uh, called this young man a vigilante. Shannon Watts originally tweeted out that, that he should be arrested for violating the mall's weapons policy. And let's not forget, these are the groups that helped write New York's new concealed carry law. And one of the provisions in that law is that if you do what Elijah did and you carry into a gun-free zone, it's not basically a warning like it is in Indiana and a, a potential citation for criminal trespass. It's a felony offense. It's prison time. It's the loss of your right to keep and bear arms. And it's designed that way to prevent people like Elijah from doing what he did. This is this is not the preferred outcome of the gun control groups, Buck. You know, under their ideal scenario, there would not have been an armed response until police arrived. There would have been more people dead. Ideally, of course, they would say, well, we would have banned these guns. Right. And, and so this didn't happen uh, at, at all. But we know that that doesn't work. We know that we can't ban our way to safety. So they put these laws in place that criminalize good people who, who act, again, in a heroic manner to save innocent lives. The founder of Moms Demand Action, Shannon Watts, tweeted this out right after the shooting. I don't know who needs to hear this, but when a 22-year-old illegally brings a loaded gun into a mall and kills a mass shooter armed with an AR-15 after he already killed three people and wounded others, is not a ringing endorsement of our implementation of the Second Amendment. Um, these these anti-gun folks are there's like a, a little bit of like a disconnect with reality that you see sometimes with them. As in, what is the point that she's making? I mean, to your earlier, uh, so it would be better if only the only the criminal with the AR-15 had the gun. What what does she think she's saying? Listen, I think there's still, I, and I, I actually, I think some of them are operating under the delusion that they really can ban guns and it'll just all disappear. I, I think I don't think that's the case with Shannon Watts. 
I think she's smarter than that. She knows better. But this is an attempt, Buck, and we're going to see a lot more of this after the Supreme Court's decision in Bruin. Look, they know they can't ban guns. They, they, they know that a, even a ban on so-called assault weapons is not going to be held up as constitutional. They, they, they lost the right to carry. They have lost the argument on whether or not the right to keep and bear arms is a real right. And so now what they're trying to do is to demonize anybody and everybody who exercises that right. They don't, they don't want to just make it uncool or unpopular, right? They want to make it legally dangerous to do so. They want to make it taboo for you to exercise your right to keep and bear arms. And I think it's gross. I think it puts them on the wrong side of the history in addition to our uh, the wrong side of our Constitution. But this is their agenda. And I think, again, we're going to see a lot more of it going forward. Cam, I saw, I think it was on CNN, it might have the New York Times, though, you know, basically same thing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they did a breakdown of how many times there have been lawful, uh, lawful concealed carry permit holders, for example, or just a lawful gun owner of any kind who stepped in to stop a mass shooting. And they did admit that it has happened a number of times in recent years. Do we have, but they were saying, oh, but it doesn't happen nearly enough for it to really matter, which is fascinating considering the debate around red flag laws, where even if it stops just one shooting, it's worth any number of regulations and policies that will deal, that will affect millions and millions of people. Can you give us some sense or, or just what the data tells us about how often are law-abiding gun owners using guns in defense of themselves or others to considerable effect? Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, keep in mind, these sort of targeted attacks are really rare events in and of themselves, right? Uh, but the FBI did release a report not long ago on active shooter incidents in 2021. And what they found is that there were 61 incidents that they classified as a targeted attack. And of those 61 incidents, four of them were stopped by armed citizens. So is that a majority? No, but keep in mind, you know, even in the reddest of red states, the, the number of individuals who at any given time are exercising the right to carry is probably around 10 or 15% of the population, right? We're not talking about a majority of people who are walking around exercising their right to armed self-defense. It, it, I, I wish it were the case, but that's not the case. So most of the time when one of these incredibly rare targeted attacks happen, you're right, there probably isn't going to be a concealed carry holder there. Uh, and nobody, I think, would argue, at least no gun owner that I know, would argue that simply having a gun means that you're going to be able to use that in self-defense. Uh, there may be a situation where there's a concealed carry holder, but they don't have a, a good angle, right? They're, they're shooting into a crowd of innocent people behind that target. Uh, they may choose not to take that shot. But as you say, we do know that these incidents happen. Uh, and we do know that, frankly, you know, defensive gun uses overall, even if you want to use the most conservative estimates, uh, happen more than 100,000 times every year. You know, most of the time, the trigger isn't even pulled. The presence of that firearm is enough to, to prevent that crime from escalating any further. But there have been some, I got to tell you, Buck, there have been some pretty compelling armed citizen stories that haven't made national news the same weekend that we saw this uh, shooting in Indiana stopped by an armed citizen. Uh, there was a guy in St. Charles, Missouri, who went into a, a convenience store just to you know, use the bathroom. He comes outside, as he's walking out, he sees a black SUV pull up, guy gets out, walks in, next thing he, he sees is the female clerk being dragged to the front of the store with a knife at her throat. And so this guy, also a legal gun owner, went back inside that gas station confronted the knife-wielding robber who then charged at him, and he was shot and killed, but the clerk was saved. A couple of days before that, Harris County, Texas, 
a 4th of July, actually. A, a son grabbed his AK-47 rifle and started shooting up his apartment, started shooting his mom. Mom managed to get outside. A neighbor saw what was going on, grabbed his handgun. And as this son pointed the AK-47 at his own mother and tried to murder her, this armed neighbor stepped in and stopped the attack. Again, I didn't see any national news stories about either of those incidents, both of which I believe are pretty compelling. But these these types of life-saving incidents and these heroes who not only act to protect themselves but to protect others, this happens a lot more than the media lets on. Absolutely the case. Cam, thanks for being with us as always. Appreciate you. Thanks, bud. According to reports, the Biden administration is considering declaring a national climate emergency after Senator Joe Manchin scuttled attempts to pass massive environmental legislation. So what would that actually entail? We'll have more on that with commentary writer at the Washington Examiner, TNLO, when we come back. First, let's talk about my friends at Jace Medical. The current nationwide shortage of infant formula has a lot of people asking, what's next? Did you know that nearly 100% of our nation's supply of antibiotics is produced outside the United States, mainly in China and India? If we can't control our own domestically produced baby formula, what about all the life-saving medications that are produced overseas? Many experts predict that if there were a supply chain disruption in the pharmaceutical industry, pharmacies could run out of most antibiotics in a matter of weeks. Thankfully, there's a new service to help you prepare for such an event. Have you heard of the Jace case? It's a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, and skin infections. Every household needs at least one Jace case. Go to jacemedical.com slash buck right now and use the code word buck10 for $10 off your Jace case. That's code word buck, B-U-C-K, 10 for $10 off at jacemedical.com slash buck. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. When you talk about invoking a climate emergency. I think that's an effort by the White House to give whatever actions the, the president were to take even more legal authority. We see this in potential action on climate. And we've also been talking about this as a possible public health emergency the administration is considering declaring in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision on abortion. That was Mike Memoli. Fun fact, we were on the debate team together at Regis High School. He's obviously a Democrat. Sources close to the White House are reporting that President Biden may be on his way to declaring a national climate emergency. Some believe the president is doing this to overcome the setback the Democrats had with the failure to pass new climate initiatives through Congress. So is this Biden's last chance to implement his radical environmental agenda? Joining me now, commentary writer at the Washington Examiner, Tina Lowe. Tina, make sense of it all for us. Hi, Buck. So obviously, like almost all problems in Biden's presidency, it comes down to the fact that he doesn't understand what his mandate is. As always, his mandate, the entire reason why he both won his primary and then won the general against Donald Trump was to be not Donald Trump, was to be a barely sentient old dude who nominally has respect for the Senate, who appreciates decorum, who didn't try and blow up the system, right? And Biden has just simply not governed like someone like that. You know, this is someone who's a part of a movement that acts, you know, apoplectic about the state of democracy. And then what are they constantly trying to do? Rob citizens of the right to have, you know, their will imposed via procedural norms. The fact is, is that the country did not vote in a Senate that wants to pass, you know, another two trillion in spending. The voters did not vote in a Senate that wants to pass 
their Green New Deal. We're seeing, you know, across the world, these uprisings in response to the net zero agenda. You know, we've seen it in Denmark, we've seen it in Sri Lanka, and it's not any different here. And the fact is, is that Joe Biden, the linchpin right now of the Senate, where it is stagnated is with Joe Manchin, who has made the terms of the, of the, terms of the arrangement very clear from day one. Don't attack the coal jobs in his state, and you don't add to the deficit. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema sort of have different tacks in terms of what they're more interested in, because Kirsten Cinema is more of an old school lib who does care about the green stuff, who does care about protecting abortion rights, whatever. Whereas Joe Manchin is just, you know, he, he he's more an old school Democrat when it comes to social services, not to social progressive policy, right? But Joe Biden doesn't feel like playing ball with that. So what is he doing? He's trying to flip over the chessboard and declare a national emergency. Now, I am old enough to remember when Donald Trump got a bunch of flack from conservatives, myself included, about trying to use the, uh, the Emergency Powers Act to declare an emergency at the, at the southern border. And why? Not because the southern border wasn't an emergency, and now magnitude more so, but rather because it does usurp the congressional powers that our constitution delegates. So Joe Biden now wants to use the Emergency Powers Act in a much more egregious way for something that is simply not an emergency. The entire nature of a climate phenomenon is that it is not an emergency. It is a problem, but it is not as though the issues with climate change happen overnight. Even if we're talking about sea levels rising, something that is happening, or the acidification of the ocean, a, nothing that Joe Biden has the power to do is going to stop that without trade deals combating greenhouse, gases and greenhouse gas emissions in China and India, two relationships that we've seen he does not want to blow up. But also, all it will do is make your gas prices already well over you know $5 a gallon even worse. Center for Biological Diversity, apparently that's a thing, shared some of the actions that Biden can and probably will take tomorrow, officially, to fight the climate crisis, which I know you're probably losing as much sleep as I am about this, which is none. But he can call to halt crude oil exports, suspend offshore drilling, use defense production to boost domestic renewable energy. That last one, I know, on boosting renewable energy using the Defense Production Act, they've already talked about that when it comes to solar, I know, which is fascinating. So we have super high gas prices, Let's mobilize the federal government for solar power, not for actual gas and, and oil. Um, do you think he's really going to, I mean, who, who is he playing to with these decisions, given the way the economy is going, the price of energy in general? It, it's almost like he just figures, screw it, I'll make the environmentalists happy and we're going to lose 35 seats in the House anyway. He's choosing the worst of both worlds because he's saying the stuff that will cause him and his party maximum pain at the ballot box in November and will do the least to actually ameliorate the problem. If you believe that the fundamental issue undergirding climate change is how many metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions are emitted globally, then what he's proposing does nothing. From the renewable power standpoint, the issue is battery power. We just do not have if you've ever been in the house that has solar panels, solar panels are great for that house, right? Solar panels are great for heating up a pool, for powering up an electric car station in that house. Solar panel doesn't transfer. You can't take solar power, you can't put solar power farms in the Sahara Desert 
and channel that all the way up to Europe or Nairobi or something, you know? And then, so already alone, we're talking about trillions of dollars in investment that would not be able to offset all of our current energy uses. And then thing two, with regards to domestic oil drilling, isn't this the same president that just came back from Saudi Arabia, took a beating from his own party for fist, for fist bumping MBS so he, could be, so he could beg Riyadh to drill more gas? So is he just saying that climate change emissions or climate change is worse when we drill, but not when the Saudis drill? Because really, that just looks like it's about optics, which he still manages to bungle horribly. Here's a, a, an effort, it seems, to increase the pressure on Joe Manchin right now because he is once again standing athwart the madness of the libs. An article from The Intercept, which even the former founder of The Intercept says is basically a left-wing regime uh, organ now. But anyway, Manchin's decades-long effort to upend environmental policy that would undercut the fossil fuel companies funding his political campaigns, he and his wife, Gail Manchin, have directed millions of federal dollars to a small, pristine valley in West Virginia to preserve land where the couple owns a condo. Uh, I don't think this is going to change the course of anything here, but the Libs are pretty upset at West Virginia's senator. Of two senators, yes. obviously, but the one they're mad at, we know who it is. Joe Manchin, I mean, remember, this is what, a Trump plus 30 state, that Joe Manchin is the only Democrat in the planet capable of winning this state, right? So Democrats should feel lucky to have him. I mean, he, this is someone who voted against the Trump tax cuts, right? Um, at what point do people forget that that individual senators still have to cater to the to the wills of their voters? The fact is, West Virginia has a lot of coal jobs. And until you stop speaking as though you can discard an entire industry overnight without vast amounts of investment in training programs, the vast amount of investment in making sure those coal mining unions still have labor protections and all that. And those are things that Democrats used to like and care about, right? They used to like and care about those workers. And now, you know, now that they've been sort of captured by this woke Oberlin HR, overly educated, wealthy white base, rather than the working class base, they think they can just call Joe Manchin racist, transphobic, transphobic sexist, insert pejorative here. And it, he won't bend. He's not going to bend. This is a man who lives in D.C. on a literal houseboat. Kamala and Joe can go walk down to Manchin's houseboat and try and play ball with him for real. Because insulting him hasn't gotten them anywhere for the last one and a half years. And I don't see why it would get them anywhere now. We shall certainly see. Tina, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Buck. We've all heard the euphemisms at this point. Birthing people, pregnant persons, uterus havers. Seems like the progressives are going out of their way to erase the folks traditionally associated with childbirth, mothers. We'll have more on that with the author and columnist David Marcus, who's tackling this issue after the break. First, I want to talk to you about a potential opportunity. Many of you are worried about the reported food shortages and power outages headed our way, and you're not alone. If you look at the skyrocketing cost of energy and food prices going through the roof, we're certainly headed in the wrong direction. Many are choosing to go off-grid. When you think of going off-grid, you think of perhaps living in the mountains far away from all civilization. But there's actually a much better safe option out there for going totally off-grid in Panama. That's in Central America. A modern home is only $100,000 there if you check out what we're talking about right now. These homes are set up on a self-sustaining farm with all of your needs met right on property. 
Panama offers a stable government, cost-effective, high-quality medical care, and a fantastic climate. There are only 24 homes being offered in the community, so reach out to them quickly at offgridpanama.com or call them now at 904-236-4737. Once again, that's offgridpanama.com or 904-236-4737. Be patient, leave a message, they'll get back to you within 24 hours. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence. Ah, yes. That was the viral exchange from last week's Senate hearing between GOP Senator Josh Hawley and Berkeley law professor Kiara Bridges, arguing over whether men can become pregnant. This topic has become the center of debate in our polarized culture war, and our next guest says that According to the American left, to even question out loud if a man can be pregnant is an immoral act of violence that must not be tolerated. Author and columnist David Marcus joins me now to discuss. David, what's up, man? How you doing, Buck? Um, I think the left is insane uh, in a lot of ways. And I think that this is a case where we're seeing it. These, these are not hard questions. These are not difficult questions. And not only do they, re do they refuse to see reality, they actually try to create a framework to threaten people who do see reality as creating violence against other people. Yeah, I mean, if I can just vent for a second, when that yes. professor said, said, oh, this Senator, I, I have to tell you, this is transphobic and, and, and your words are violence. Screw you, we're, we're done. We, we are done with that. It's not gonna work anymore. You wanna call us bigots? You wanna call us transphobes? Call us whatever you wanna call us. It, it's it's we we can't and we tried buck we really did for years and years and years we said okay let's find a way to be accommodating let, let, let's let's find a way to be kind and, and be nice we still want to do those things but no no you're not leaving you're, you're not allowed to have the conversation or you're a bigot screw you I, I, screw you that, that, that that's really all i can say I, i'm sorry I, it's no i uh, look man i i think a lot of people watching feel that the, uh, the frustration you have is just the rational reaction to what, to what we're seeing. Um, you know, she's created all of these, that, that law professor, using all of these terms that I, I will also say, I had never heard the term cisgender until about four, three, four years ago. Never in my life have I had I heard what, what cisgender was. Because uh, it didn't I never exist. heard of, of terms like uh, uh, pansexual and and patriarchal heteronormativity. And, and I actually went to a pretty liberal college um, where there was a lot, there was a women and gender studies major offered, which was laughable, but it was offered and people did major in it, believe it or not. Um, They're now Democrats, of course, voting for Joe Biden. And some of them apparently are law professors. Uh, but, but here we are watching the demand of the Democrats be that people, their, their own, you know, fellow travelers 
uh, but also that everybody else affirm what is clearly untrue. And, and I think that we do have to draw a line. No, I, obviously, we, can Joe Biden be pregnant? Do, do, do we know that or is he too old? I, I, like, what are the rules here? And, and it's not it's not just a question of denying reality, which is obviously going on. It's also a question of language. Um, and we really need to protect our language because the crux of this was replacing the word mother with the word birthing person or, or person capable of pregnancy. Mother is a word imbued with so much cultural significance, maybe more than any other word, right? Mother and father, they exist in every language. It, it, it's the first word that most human beings say. And, and it means something. It means more than some physical act that just happened you know, with a birth canal. It, it means more than a penis ejaculating. And, and the left wants to break it all down in, into just these you know, bodily functions. And it, it, it'll destroy our society, Buck. It really will. Why do you think they want to do this? What is, what is the mentality behind coming up with a, an ever-changing range of terms that effectively erase what it is to be female? By the way, to your point about definitions, I just saw today our mutual friend Inez Felcher pointing out the absurdity that the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines woman as a person of a gender identity opposite of male. That is now how the actual online Merriam-Webster dictionary is defining woman, a person of a different gender identity than male. Really? <clears throat> I, look, I, the good news here is that these lunatics are losing. And, and I think what we're seeing are the death throes now. Uh, you know, you, you have a Supreme Court justice nominee who can't define woman. I, I mean, I guess, you know, Merriam-Webster just, you know, threw her a bone or whatever. She, she, she could use that definition. But these people know that what they're saying is abject nonsense. And, and to come back to the original point, this is why if you challenge them, they say, shut up, you're a bigot. And once we decide that we don't care, and, and look, five years ago we did, right? As conservatives, oh no, don't call me, don't call me a bigot. I'm not a bigot. No, I'll say what you want. We're done. We're, we're not doing it anymore. I, I know you're not. I, I know I'm not. And I think most Americans aren't. And I don't know what these people are going to do now that we've made this decision because they have nothing. They have nothing. They have N95 masks and Ukraine flags in their bios. Let's not say they have nothing. There are some things That's that true. they can still cling to. Um, but here is, uh, by the way, the National Women's Law Center president asked that, just to be clear, everybody, the National Women's Law Center president, the legal center for women, he was asked, can you define what a woman is? This is how that went. Since you are the president of the National Women's Law Center, I was hoping that you could define what a woman is for us in this committee hearing. There are people who identify as non-binary. I think okay. about five right. percent of young. We're not going to go there. I was hoping maybe you would. I was hoping that you, maybe you would say something that maybe we learned in um, high school biology that has to do with X and Y chromosomes, but uh, which define male and female. But I guess we're not going to get there. I mean, she won't, because she knows if she did. By the way, if she said, "Yeah, a woman is a female, a female adult human." Um, she would be dragged on social media for days. Yeah, but again, I mean, she doesn't have to bow down to that, right? Nobody does. But she's choosing that. In fact, she's not just choosing that. She's trying to force that 
on, on everybody else. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, 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 and we're not buying it. We're not buying it. And, and these people can keep saying this till they're blue in the face. I, I mean, they, they, they really can. And, and like I said, they know they're losing. And, and, and it's actually kind of wonderful to watch them flail around. And, and I hope and, you're right about them losing uh, because they did just try to include tr- a gender identity in effectively Title IX of the, of the Civil Rights Act, yeah. which is no, amazing. It's, <laughs> it's just crazy. crazy. No, they're they're going to have to walk this stuff back, right? Because it's starting to affect people's lives. Parents are starting to have their daughters have to run races and, and, and swim against biological males. And they're saying, no, this isn't fair. And everybody knows it. We look at Leah Thomas, it's like, that's not fair. You, you can't, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a square peg in a round hole and they're, and they're not gonna be able to force it through anymore. David, thanks for being with us, man. Good to see you. Good to see you, man. An amazing story out of Indiana as a 25-year-old pizza delivery driver rescues five kids from a burning home. We have the incredible video for you in tonight's Quick Hits. Stay with us. A rare instance of a late-night talk host taking a shot at the president and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tests out the Washington, D.C. police invisible handcuffs. You'll see what we mean. We've got those stories in Quick Hits. Let's get to it. Regime media is running out of tricks, um, and that includes the late-night comedians who aren't really comedians so much as they are propagandists who make jokes because they're always just carrying water for Democrat ideas, Democrat administration. Jimmy Fallon, for example, who is, I will say, the, uh, among the late-night comedians, the least smarmy live, uh, to his credit. But here he is making a joke that is starting to really, I think, become clear evidence of the thinking, the psychology of Democrats, which is that this whole Biden thing's a mess. Watch. I read that Dr. Fauci said that he plans to retire by the end of President Biden's term. Mm-hmm. And then everyone turned to Biden like, is there anything you'd like to announce, too? <laughs> of course, once he's gone, Fauci will be replaced by a new, slightly weaker variant. Oh. Yeah, so everyone knows that Joe Biden's too old for this job. He was too old when he took the job. He's going to be way too old by the end of his first term. But Democrats are ruthless and have no principles to defend when it comes to politics. So they'll just go along with this as long as they can. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that the president's supposed to actually have some leadership capability, some cognitive heft. Joe Biden clearly don't have that. AOC is... Uh, really a social media star who happened to be elected to uh, Congress. It's amazing to see how many people take her pronouncements and ideas with any seriousness whatsoever. Here she is at a pro-abortion rally on the steps of the Supreme Court in what seems to be, she's being escorted by police away from the area. She seems to be pretending she is handcuffed. Watch. Notice the other woman the police are escorting doesn't have her hands behind her back like that. So why does AOC do that? Oh, she'll say it's for the symbolism, I'm sure, right? But hoping people take photos of her and share it. Oh, they're arresting AOC. Oh, so terrible. Outrageous. Sometimes we can actually tell you about stories that are inspiring, stories of courage, stories that show us 
that the human condition can be made better in ways just by everyday folk. Pizza man Nick Bostick saved four children from a burning home before being told there was a fifth child still inside. Here's the police body camera footage showing him bringing that fifth child out to safety as well. Watch. Come here, come here. Are you Zadion? <laughs> hey, everybody. Come with me, man. Come with me. Come with me. We gotta get away from the house. Hey, we gotta get away from the house, okay? Okay, baby. You're okay. Is the baby okay? Please tell me that baby's okay. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's okay. A hundred percent? Yep, you're okay. You did good, dude. Okay. You did good, dude. Damn right. Pizza Man saves five children from a burning building. We all have it in us, folks. Just got to find it. Then there's D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, who says that she has an idea about illegal immigrants coming to D.C. Watch this. The uh, Washington Post reported last week that homeless shelters in D.C. were filling up. Um, and groups are getting overwhelmed by these buses that the governors of Texas and, and Arizona are sending here full of migrants. How significant is this influx? How many people? Well, this is a very significant issue. Um, we have for sure called on the federal government uh, to work across state lines to prevent um, people from really being tricked uh, into getting on buses. Uh, we, we think they're largely asylum seekers uh, who are going to final destinations that are not Washington, D.C. Being tricked? Oh, by the way, they're also not asylum seekers. That's the scam that is run to get them into the country in the first place. I'm sure she knows that, or maybe she doesn't. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line, the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Fields high. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans. Heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country. Heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. The complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye. He needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the Foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel the to Towers in supporting America's heroes, our nation's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.